Chapter Thirty Nine of Ivanhoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Thirty Nine. O maid, unrelenting and cold as thou art, my bosom is proud as thine own. Seward. It was in the twilight of the day when her trial, if it could be called such, had taken place, that a low knock was heard at the door of Rebecca's prison chamber. It disturbed not the inmate, who was then engaged in the evening prayer recommended by her religion, and which concluded with a hymn we have ventured thus to translate into English. When Israel, of the Lord beloved, out of the land of bondage came, her father's God before her moved, an awful guide in smoke and flame. By day, along the astonished lands, the cloudy pillar glided slow. By night, Arabia's crimsoned sands returned the fiery column's glow. There rose the choral hymn of praise, and trump and timbrel answered keen. And Zion's daughters poured their lays, with priests and warriors' voice between. No portents now our foes amaze, forsaken Israel wanders lone. Our fathers would not know thy ways, and thou hast left them on their own. But present still, though now unseen, when brightly shines the prosperous day, be thoughts of thee a cloudy screen to temper the deceitful ray. And, oh, when stoops on Judah's path, in shade and storm the frequent night, be thou, long-suffering, slow to wrath, a burning and a shining light. Our harps we left by Babel's streams, The tyrant's jest, the Gentile's scorn, No censor round our altar beams, And mute our timbrel, trump, and horn. But thou hast said, the blood of goat, The flesh of rams, I will not prize. A contrite heart and humble thought Are mine accepted sacrifice. When the sounds of Rebecca's devotional hymn Had died away in silence, The low knock at the door was again renewed. Enter, she said, if thou art a friend, and if a foe, I have not the means of refusing thy entrance. I am, said Brian de Bois-Gilbert, entering the apartment, friend or foe, Rebecca, as the event of this interview shall make me. Alarmed at the sight of this man, whose licentious passion she considered as the root of her misfortunes, Rebecca drew backward with a cautious and alarmed, yet not a timorous demeanor, into the farthest corner of the apartment, as if determined to retreat as far as she could, but to stand her ground when retreat became no longer possible. She drew herself into an attitude not of defiance, but of resolution, as one that would avoid provoking assault, yet was resolute to repel it, being offered to the utmost of her power. "'You have no reason to fear me, Rebecca,' said the Templar, "'or if I must so qualify my speech,' you have at least now no reason to fear me. I fear you not, Sir Knight, replied Rebecca, although her short-drawn breath seemed to belie the heroism of her accents. My trust is strong, and I fear thee not. You have no cause, answered Bois-Gilbert gravely. My former frantic attempts you have not now to dread. Within your call are guards, over whom I have no authority." They are designed to conduct you to death, Rebecca, yet would not suffer you to be insulted by any one, even by me, were my frenzy, for frenzy it is, to urge me so far. May heaven be praised, said the Jewess, 
death is the least of my apprehensions in this den of evil. Ay, replied the Templar, the idea of death is easily received by the courageous mind, when the road to it is sudden and open. A thrust with a lance, a stroke with a sword, were to me little. To you, a spring from a dizzy battlement, a stroke with a sharp poniard, has no terrors, compared with what either thinks disgrace. Mark me, I say this. Perhaps mine own sentiments of honor are not less fantastic, Rebecca, than thine are. But we know alike how to die for them. Unhappy man, said the Jewess, and art thou condemned to expose thy life for principles, of which thy sober judgment does not acknowledge the solidity? Surely this is a parting with your treasure for that which is not bread, but deem not so of me. Thy resolution may fluctuate on the wild and changeful billows of human opinion, but mine is anchored on the rock of ages. Silence, maiden, answered the Templar. Such discourse now avails but little. Thou art condemned to die not a sudden and easy death, such as misery chooses, and despair welcomes, but a slow, wretched, protracted course of torture, suited to what the diabolical bigotry of these men calls thy crime. And to whom, if such my fate, to whom do I owe this? said Rebecca. Surely only to him, who, for a most selfish and brutal cause, dragged me hither, and who now, for some unknown purpose of his own, strives to exaggerate the wretched fate to which he exposed me. Think not, said the Templar, that I have so exposed thee. I would have bucklered thee against such danger with my own bosom, as freely as ever I exposed it to the shafts which had otherwise reached thy life. Had thy purpose been the honourable protection of the innocent, said Rebecca, I had thanked thee for thy care. As it is, thou hast claimed merit for it so often, that I tell thee life is worth nothing to me, preserved at the price which thou wouldst exact for it. Truce with thine upbraidings, Rebecca, said the Templar. I have my own cause of grief, and brook not that thy reproaches should add to it. What is thy purpose then, Sir Knight? said the Jewess. Speak it briefly. If thou hast aught to do, save to witness the misery thou hast caused, let me know it, and then, if so it please you, leave me to myself. The step between time and eternity is short but terrible, and I have few moments to prepare for it. I perceive, Rebecca, said Bois-Gilbert, that thou dost continue to burden me with the charge of distresses, which most fain would I have prevented. Sir Knight, said Rebecca, I would avoid reproaches. But what is more certain than that I owe my death to thine unbridled passion? You err, you err, said the Templar hastily, if you impute what I could neither foresee nor prevent to my purpose or agency. Could I guess the unexpected arrival of yon dotard, whom some flashes of frantic valor and the praises yielded by fools to the stupid self-torments of an ascetic have raised for the present above his own merits, above common sense, above me and above the hundreds of our order, who think and feel as men free from such silly and fantastic prejudices as are the grounds of his opinions and actions? Yet, said Rebecca, you say to judge upon me, innocent, most innocent, as you knew me to be, you concurred in my condemnation, and, if I are right understood, are yourself to appear in arms to assert my guilt and assure my punishment. Thy patience, maiden, replied the Templar, 
no race knows so well as thine own tribes how to submit to the time, and so to trim their bark as to make advantage even of an adverse wind. Lamented be the hour, said Rebecca, that has taught such art to the house of Israel, but adversity bends the heart as fire bends the stubborn steel, and those who are no longer their own governors, and the denizens of their own free independent state, must crouch before strangers. It is our curse, Sir Knight, deserved, doubtless, by our own misdeeds and those of our fathers. But you, you who boast your freedom as your birthright, how much deeper is your disgrace when you stoop to soothe the prejudices of others, and that against your own conviction? Your words are bitter, Rebecca, said Bois-Gilbert, pacing the apartment with impatience. But I come not hither to bandy reproaches with you. Know that Bois-Gilbert yields not to created man, although circumstances may for a time induce him to alter his plan. His will is the mountain stream, which may indeed be turned for a little space aside by the rock, but fails not to find its course to the ocean. That scroll which warned thee to demand a champion, from whom couldst thou think it came if not from Bois-Gilbert? In whom else couldst thou have excited such interest? A brief respite from instant death, said Rebecca, which will little avail me. Was this all thou couldst do for one, on whose head thou hast heaped sorrow, and whom thou hast brought near even to the verge of the tomb? No, maiden, said Bois-Gilbert, this was not all that I purposed. Had it not been for the accursed interference of yon fanatical dotard and the fool of Goodalric, who, being a Templar, affects to think and judge according to the ordinary rules of humanity, the office of the champion defender had devolved, not on a preceptor, but on a companion of the order. Then I myself, such was my purpose, had, on the sounding of the trumpet, appeared in the lists as thy champion, disguised indeed in the fashion of a roving knight, who seeks adventures to prove his shield and spear. And then let Beaumanoir have chosen not one, but two or three of the brethren here assembled, I had not doubted to cast them out of the saddle with my single lance. Thus, Rebecca, should thine innocence have been avouched, and to thine own gratitude would I have trusted for the reward of my victory. This, Sir Knight, said Rebecca, is but idle boasting, a brag of what you would have done had you not found it convenient to do otherwise. You received my glove and my champion, if a creature so desolate can find one, must encounter your lance in the lists, yet you would assume the air of my friend and protector. Thy friend and protector, said the Templar gravely, I will yet be, but mark at what risk, or rather at what certainty, of dishonor, and then blame me not if I make my stipulations, before I offer up all that I have hitherto held dear, to save the life of a Jewish maiden. Speak, said Rebecca, I understand thee not. Well then, said Bois-Gilbert, I will speak as freely as ever did doting penitent to his ghostly father when placed in the tricky confessional. Rebecca, if I appear not in these lists, I lose fame and rank, lose that which is the breath of my nostrils, the esteem I mean, in which I am held by my brethren, and the hopes I have of succeeding to that mighty authority, which is now wielded by the bigoted dotard, Lucas de Beaumanoir, but of which I should make a different use. Such is my certain doom, except I appear in arms against thy cause. Accursed be he of good Alric, who baited this trap for me, 
and doubly accursed Albert de Malvoisin, who withheld me from the resolution I had formed, of hurling back the glove at the face of the superstitious and superannuated fool, who listened to a charge so absurd, and against a creature so high in mind, and so lovely in form as thou art. And what now avails rant or flattery? answered Rebecca. Thou hast made thy choice between causing to be shed the blood of an innocent woman, or of endangering thine own earthly state and earthly hopes. What avails it to reckon together? Thy choice is made. No, Rebecca, said the knight in a softer tone, and drawing nearer towards her. My choice is not made. Nay, Mark, it is thine to make the election. If I appear in the lists, I must maintain my name in arms. And if I do so, championed or unchampioned, thou diest by the stake and faggot, for there lives not the knight who hath coped with me in arms on equal issue, or on terms of vantage, save Richard Cœur de Leon and his minion of Ivanhoe. Ivanhoe, as thou well knowest, is unable to bear his corslet, and Richard is in a foreign prison. If I appear, then thou diest, even although thy charms should instigate some hot-headed youth to enter the lists in thy defense. And what avails repeating this so often? said Rebecca. Much, replied the Templar, for thou must learn to look at thy fate on every side. Well then, turn the tapestry, said the Jewess, and let me see the other side. If I appear, said Bois-Gilbert, in the fatal lists, thou diest by a slow and cruel death, in pain such as they say is destined to the guilty hereafter. But if I appear not, then am I a degraded and dishonored knight, accused of witchcraft and of communion with infidels. The illustrious name which has grown yet more so under my wearing becomes a hissing and a reproach. I lose fame, I lose honor, I lose the prospect of such greatness as scarce emperors attain to. I sacrifice mighty ambition, I destroy schemes built as high as the mountains with which heathens say their heaven was once nearly scaled. And yet, Rebecca, he said, throwing himself at her feet, this greatness will I sacrifice, this fame will I renounce, this power will I forego, even now when it is half within my grasp, if thou wilt say, Gilbert, I receive thee for my lover. Think not of such foolishness, sir knight, answered Rebecca, but hasten to the regent, the queen mother, and to Prince John. They cannot, in honor to the English crown, allow of the proceedings of your grand master. So shall you give me protection without sacrifice on your part, or the pretext of requiring any requital from me. With these I deal not, he continued, holding the train of her robe. It is thee only I address, and what can counterbalance thy choice? Bethink thee, were I a fiend, yet death is a worse, and it is death who is my rival. I weigh not these evils, said Rebecca, afraid to provoke the wild knight, yet equally determined neither to endure his passion, nor even feign to endure it. Be a man, be a Christian, if indeed thy faith recommends that mercy which rather your tongues than your actions pretend, save me from this dreadful death, without seeking a requital which would change thy magnanimity into base barter. No, damsel, said the proud Templar, springing up, thou shalt not thus impose on me. If I renounce present fame and future ambition, I renounce it for thy sake, and we will escape in company. Listen to me, Rebecca, 
he said, again softening his tone. England, Europe, is not the world. There are spheres in which we may act, ample enough even for my ambition. We will go to Palestine, where Conrad, Marquis of Montserrat, is my friend, a friend free as myself from the doting scruples which fetter our free-born reason. Rather with Saladin will we league ourselves than endure the scorn of the bigots whom we condemn. I will form new paths to greatness, he continued, again traversing the room with hasty strides. Europe shall hear the loud step of him she has driven from her sons. Not the millions whom her crusaders send to slaughter can do so much to defend Palestine. Not the sabers of the thousands and ten thousands of Saracens can hew their way so deep into that land for which nations are striving as the strength and policy of me and those brethren who, in despite of yonder old bigot, will adhere to me in good and evil. Thou shalt be a queen, Rebecca, on Mount Carmel shall we pitch the throne which my valor will gain for you, and I will exchange my long-desired batoon for a scepter. A dream, said Rebecca, an empty vision of the night, which, were it a waking reality, affects me not. Enough that the power which thou mightest acquire I will never share, nor hold I so light of country or religious faith as to esteem him who is willing to barter these ties and cast away the bonds of the order of which he is a sworn member, in order to gratify an unruly passion for the daughter of another people. Put not a price on my deliverance, Sir Knight, sell not a deed of generosity, protect the oppressed for the sake of charity, and not for a selfish advantage. Go to the throne of England, Richard will listen to my appeal from these cruel men. Never, Rebecca, said the Templar fiercely, if I renounce my order, for thee alone will I renounce it. Ambition shall remain mine, if thou refuse my love. I will not be fooled on all hands. Stoop my crest to Richard? Ask a boon of that heart of pride? Never, Rebecca, will I place the order of the temple at his feet in my person. I may forsake the order. I never will degrade or betray it. Now God be gracious to me, said Rebecca for the succor of man is well-nigh hopeless. It is indeed, said the Templar, for, proud as thou art, thou hast in me found thy match. If I enter the lists with my spear in rest, think not any human consideration shall prevent my putting forth my strength, and think then upon thine own fate, to die the dreadful death of the worst of criminals, to be consumed upon a blazing pile, dispersed to the elements of which our strange forms are so mystically composed, not a relic left of that graceful frame from which we could say this lived and moved. Rebecca, it is not in woman to sustain this prospect. Thou wilt yield to my suit. Bois Gilbert, answered the Jewess, thou knowest not the heart of woman, or hast only conversed with those who are lost to her best feelings. I tell thee, proud Templar, that not in thy fiercest battles hast thou displayed more of thy vaunted courage than has been shown by woman when called upon to suffer by affection or duty. I am myself a woman, tenderly nurtured, naturally fearful of danger, and impatient of pain. Yet, when we enter those fatal lists, thou to fight and I to suffer, I feel the strong assurance within me that my courage shall mount higher than thine. Farewell, I waste no more words on thee. The time that remains on earth to the daughter of Jacob must be otherwise spent. 
she must seek the Comforter, who may hide his face from his people, but who ever opens his ear to the cry of those who seek him in sincerity and in truth. "'We part then thus?' said the Templar, after a short pause. "'Would to heaven that we had never met, or that thou hadst been noble in birth and Christian in faith. Nay, by heaven, when I gaze on thee, and think when and how we are next to meet, I could even wish myself one of thine own degraded nation.' my hand conversant with ingots and shekels, instead of spear and shield, my head bent down before each petty noble, and my look only terrible to the shivering and bankrupt debtor. This could I wish, Rebecca, to be near to thee in life, and to escape the fearful share I must have in thy death. Thou hast spoken the Jew, said Rebecca, as the persecution of such as thou art has made him. Heaven and ire has driven him from his country, but industry has opened to him the only road to power and to influence, which oppression has left unbarred. Read the ancient history of the people of God, and tell me if those by whom Jehovah wrought such marvels among the nations were then a people of misers and of usurers. And no, proud knight, we number names amongst us to which your boasted northern nobility is as the gourd compared with the cedar names that ascend far back to those high times when the divine presence shook the mercy seat between the cherubim and which derived their splendor from no earthly prince but from the awful voice which bade their fathers be nearest of the congregation to the vision such are the princes of the house of jacob rebecca's color rose as she boasted the ancient glories of her race but faded as she added with a sigh such were the princes of Judah, now such no more. They are trampled down like the shorn grass, and mixed with the mire of the ways. Yet there are those among them who shame not such high descent, and of such shall be the daughter of Isaac, the son of Adonikam. Farewell. I envy not thy blood-won honors. I envy not thy barbarous descent from northern heathens. I envy thee not thy faith, which is ever in thy mouth, but never in thy heart, nor in thy practice. There is a spell on me by heaven, said Bois-Gilbert. I almost think yon besotted skeleton spoke truth, and that the reluctance with which I part from thee hath something in it more than is natural. Fair creature, he said, approaching near her, but with great respect. So young, so beautiful, so fearless of death, and yet doomed to die, and with infamy and agony. Who would not weep for thee? The tear that has been a stranger to these eyelids for twenty years moistens them as I gaze on thee. But it must be, nothing may now save thy life. Thou and I are but the blind instruments of some irresistible fatality that hurries us along, like goodly vessels driving before the storm, which are dashed against each other, and so perish." Forgive me, then, and let us part, at least, as friends part. I have assailed thy resolution in vain, and mine own is fixed as the adamantine decrees of fate. Thus, said Rebecca, do men throw on fate the issue of their own wild passions. But I do forgive thee, Bois-Gilbert, though the author of my early death. There are noble things which cross over thy powerful mind, but it is the garden of the sluggard, and the weeds have rushed up, and conspired to choke the fair and wholesome blossom. Yes, said the Templar, I am, Rebecca, as thou hast spoken me, untaught, untamed, and proud, that, amidst a shoal of empty fools and crafty bigots, 
I have retained the preeminent fortitude that places me above them. I have been a child of battle from my youth upward, high in my views, steady and inflexible in pursuing them. Such must I remain, proud, inflexible, and unchanging, and of this the world shall have proof. But thou forgivest me, Rebecca? As freely as ever victim forgave her executioner. Farewell, then, said the Templar, and he left the apartment. The preceptor, Albert, waited impatiently in an adjacent chamber the return of Bois Gilbert. Thou hast tarried long, he said. I have been as if stretched on red-hot iron with very impatience. What if the Grand Master or his spy Conrad had come hither? I had paid dear for thy complaisance. But what ails thee, brother? Thy step totters, thy brow is as black as night. Art thou well, Guagilbert? Aye, said the Templar, as well as the wretch who is doomed to die within an hour. Nay, by the rude, not half so well, for there be those in such state who can lay down life like a cast-off garment. By heaven, Malvoisin, yonder girl hath well nigh unmanned me. I am half resolved to go to the Grand Master, abjure the order to his very teeth, and refuse to act the brutality which his tyranny has imposed on me. Thou art mad, answered Malvoisin. Thou mayst thus indeed utterly ruin thyself, but canst not even find a chance thereby to save the life of this Jewess, which seems so precious in thine eyes. Beaumanoir will name another of the order to defend his judgment in thy place, and the accused will as assuredly perish as if thou hadst taken the duty imposed on thee. "'Tis false. I will myself take arms in her behalf," answered the Templar haughtily. "'And, should I do so, I think, Malvoisin, that thou knowest not one of the order who will keep his saddle before the point of my lance." "'Aye, but thou forgettest,' said the wily adviser. "'Thou wilt have neither leisure nor opportunity to execute this bad project.' Go to Lucas Beaumanoir, and say thou hast renounced thy vow of obedience, and see how long the despotic old man will leave thee in personal freedom. The words shall scarce have left thy lips, ere thou wilt either be an hundred feet underground, in the dungeon of the preceptory, to abide trial as a recreant knight, or, if his opinion holds concerning thy possession, thou wilt be enjoying straw, darkness, and chains, in some distant convent cell, stunned with exorcisms, and drenched with holy water, to expel the foul fiend which hath obtained dominion over thee. Thou must to the lists, Brian, or thou art a lost and dishonoured man. I will break forth and fly, said Bois-Gilbert, fly to some distant land, to which folly and fanaticism have not yet found their way. No drop of the blood of this most excellent creature shall be spilled by my sanction. Thou canst not fly, said the preceptor, thy ravings have excited suspicion, and thou wilt not be permitted to leave the preceptory. Go and make the essay, present thyself before the gate, and command the bridge to be lowered, and mark what answer thou shalt receive. Thou art surprised and offended, but is it not the better for thee? Wert thou to fly, what would ensue but the reversal of thy arms, the dishonor of thine ancestry, the degradation of thy rank? Think on it, where shall thine old companions in arms hide their heads when Brian de Bois-Gilbert, the best lance of the Templars, is proclaimed recreant amid hisses of the assembled people? What grief will be at the court of France? With what joy will the haughty Richard hear the news 
that the knight that had set him hard in Palestine, and well nigh darkened his renown, had lost fame and honor for a Jewish girl, whom he could not even save by so costly a sacrifice. Malvoisin, said the knight, I thank thee. Thou hast touched the string at which my heart most readily thrills. Come of it what may, recreant shall never be added to the name of Bois-Gilbert. Would to God, Richard, or any of his vaunting minions of England, would appear in these lists. But they will be empty. No one will risk to break a lance for the innocent, the forlorn. The better for thee, if it proves so, said the preceptor. If no champion appears, it is not by thy means that this unlucky damsel shall die, but by the doom of the Grand Master, with whom rests all the blame, and who will count that blame for praise and commendation. True, said Bois-Gilbert, if no champion appears, I am but a part of the pageant, sitting indeed on horseback in the lists, but having no part in what is to follow. None whatever, said Malvoisin, no more than the armed image of St. George when it makes a part of the procession. Well, I will resume my resolution, replied the haughty Templar. She has despised me, repulsed me, reviled me, and wherefore should I offer up to her whatever of estimation I have in the opinion of others? Malvoisin, I will appear in the lists. He left the apartment hastily as he uttered these words, and the preceptor followed to watch and confirm him in his resolution. For in Bois-Gilbert's fame he had himself a strong interest, expecting much advantage from his being one day at the head of the order, not to mention the preferment of which Montfichet had given him hopes, on condition he would forward the condemnation of the unfortunate Rebecca. Yet although, in combating his friend's better feelings, he possessed all the advantage which a wily, composed, selfish disposition has over a man agitated by strong and contending passions, it required all Malvoisin's art to keep Bois-Gilbert steady to the purpose he had prevailed on him to adopt. He was obliged to watch him closely to prevent his resuming his purpose of flight, to intercept his communication with the Grand Master, lest he should come to an open rupture with his superior, and to renew, from time to time, the various arguments by which he endeavored to show, that, in appearing as champion on this occasion, Bois-Gilbert, without either accelerating or ensuring the fate of Rebecca, would follow the only course by which he could save himself from degradation and disgrace. End of chapter 39